Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. I have to say, Arch, sitting here as someone who grew up in Washington, D.C., where NBC and, and, and the word peacock was associated with me, with, with, with you and Jim Vance and George Michael, the idea of Arch Campbell having to pay for something called peacock <laughs> is profoundly offensive to me. It's not uh, right. Uh, and That's absolutely not correct. right at all. I feel like we need to start a campaign, Jim. There's, it's it's just uh, right. We got to get this guy on a comp list. Arch, Dorian Gensler, none of you all should ever play for, pay for Peacock. Yeah, never, ever. Well, you should have a lifetime pass for that one. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. The Arch Campbell Podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that is my pal Oliver Jones in Los Angeles with Jen Cheney from Vulture in Washington, and they are lamenting that Peacock makes me pay five bucks a month to watch Yellowstone, and I just want to say that it is an outrage, and I'm glad they're as mad as I am. So uh, I am Arch Campbell, and I'm happy to welcome you to another get-together of the podcast that tries to keep you up with the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz, our director and producer, (laughs) is in the headquarters of Hound Radio. Directing and producing and waving my arms (laughs) to get a little extra exercise in this morning. (laughs) (laughs) He's waving me to get on with it, so I'm happy to do that. My guests today include our dear friend Bill Newcott, now the film critic for the Saturday Evening Post. Hello, Bill. Good morning, Arch. How are you? Hey, Bill. I'm so happy to be uh, talking to you. The guy who made up the phrase movies for grown-ups. Don't you forget it. I'm sticking with that. And uh, joining us, our new head of the Civilian Bureau. He's my longtime <laughs> friend, the television producer, Cinema Lou Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Good morning. How are you? So glad to have you back. Uh, There was a tremendous response to your last uh, appearance was tremendous. So you are back by popular demand. And and I'm having business cards made up that say head of the. (laughs) (laughs) So here we go. So. Welcome to Lou and Bill, and let's start with Bill. Bill, what are you watching? What do you like these days? Uh, you know what movie I've just seen for the second time that I absolutely love is Women Talking. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable ensemble piece based on a really shocking true story about a, a lot of women talking. And actually, I, was, I did my review this week for the Saturday Evening Post, and Made my lead was if truth in advertising were an Oscar award, it would win that award because <laughs> it is an hour and 45 minutes of women talking, but they're, but the things they talk about deal with their initial, their immediate situation, which is they are a bunch of Mennonite women living in a, in a remote village in 19, I'm sorry, in 2010. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, it turns out they've been in their sleep. The, the, the men have been drugging them and assaulting them and telling them that it was the devil doing it to them. And uh, they suddenly come to the realization, it's not the devil, it's the men. And so they decide whether or not to leave the town. It was all waiting to happen before it happened. You could look back and follow the breadcrumbs along the path that led to violence. When we looked back, it had been everywhere. Uh, And it's just a remarkable cast of, of some of the best 
actresses on on screen and uh, yeah the actresses are really something jesse buckley is mm-hmm. someone everything she makes uh you notice her in and of course rooney mara and uh sarah Pauly directed this and i saw it and i've got to say that the dialogue is just riveting what i love about it is it it's not naturalistic dialogue by any means mm-hmm. they are they're giving speeches but I, unlike an uh Andrew Sorkin film, it sounds like it's coming organically from them in, in ways that, that is very unusual. I, I liked it a lot. I, I saw it yesterday, and I agree with everything you say. A couple of things, though. You know, the, the dialogue, these are, these are uneducated people, and they're speaking like college professors. Yeah. You know, so, okay, well, let, we can bypass that. But that could be the darkest movie I've ever seen. Now I'm in the middle of getting cataract surgery. Maybe after that, I'll be able to see it a little more clearly. Yes, it was, ladies and gentlemen, so the dark. blind critic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was a terrific movie. The cast was fabulous. And Frances McDormand, even though she has a small role and she produced it, she's her, she's great in everything she does. Yeah. I want to mention one I, other film that, that I saw um, that I didn't like, but it's weird that I didn't like it because I was really looking forward to it. The Pale Blue Eye. Have you seen this? No. Christian Bale oh. plays a he's a 19th century investigator hired to look into oh, some murders at West yeah, Point. Yeah. And he gets some help from a young cadet named Edgar Allan Poe. Detective Landor, one of our cadets. Hanged himself last night. That's the matter for the coroner. It's such a great idea. That's it, that, that where you because Poe did go to West Point for for yeah. a year. And the fact that he's here helping a guy solve a mystery, it could have been fantastic. That just sounds like a TV series, kind of, you know. Uh, uh, but it, it's left on the table. It goes so slow. And I'm beginning to think that the pacing of TV miniseries or long-term series mm. is starting to creep its way into the cinema, into the theaters. And that leisurely sort of, we don't have to get to the point for a very long time on this movie. Like the first, epi- first episode of every TV series stinks basically yeah. and they, yeah. and everyone says oh but wait till you get to episode three because it's going to be great i think too many movies right now are making themselves episode one of a long-term series and they just don't bother to engage you that fast it made me think of time after time remember that mm-hmm. time after time wasn't that uh sherlock holmes uh uh chasing um the other famous uh killer in england oh jack I the thought, ripper so, it's a, yeah Old, old, I'll old. Just, I'll just keep throwing out names, Arch. You tell me when <laughs> late, I'm right. The <laughs> late 70s. By the way, before we get going, I want to go back to women talking because I have one comment, and it is when I finished with it, I kind of felt like they didn't really have uh, anywhere to go uh, with the story. In other words, once the story unfolds, you're thinking, well, leave. It's time to leave. It's time to leave. And without giving things away, they leave. And uh, I, I think you just I gave just... it away. <laughs> Too late. Whoops. <laughs> well, my problem with movies that are that are true stories. So, so they're leaving. Then what happens? And uh-huh. we, you know, obviously, you can't show it. There's not enough time to show it. But how about a scrawl on screen? And I, I, whenever there's a true story and it just ends and you know there's more to the story, I'd like to know what happens next. And all you need is a line on screen that says, you know, these women, da-da-da-da-da. And, and 
you know, I bet that's one of my pet peeves about about movies that are true that kind of don't complete the story. The film was a jumping off spot. Like the the true mm-hmm. the true event was right. the assault by the men. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think it's all fiction, and I I, I don't know um, if the actual the true story happened in South America. Yeah. And this is set, um, you, you don't quite know where it's set, but you think right. it's set in Pennsylvania or uh, some rural uh, eastern country, uh, part of the U.S. So I I, I, I got to tell you, one of the movies I've seen lately that I really, really liked was A Man Called Otto. And I'm curious what you think, because this is a disconnect that I see. You know, the, I, I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave it 68%, which is just above the passing grade. Audiences gave it 96%. So audiences loved it. Don't you dare let that little rat dog piss on my walkway again. Ignore him, Prince. He has no idea who's doing that. Well, it was one of you. Hello. Hello. What's your name? Otto. Otto? O-T-T-O. I'm Abby. O-T-T-O. I was in a theater. I heard people weeping, openly weeping, um, Mm. applauding at the end. And yet there seems to be a disconnect. And there's a lot of movies out like that that get very low marks from the critics, very high marks from the audience. So what what's the disconnect there? Lou, have you seen A Man Called Ove, the film that was based on I, the Swedish Ove, film? Yeah, I have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Because that I, I think that's a masterpiece. And I think Arch, don't I think you might agree that I think film critics have a tendency to look at movies different way than, than audiences do. But um, is that fair? Is that right? I mean, because that's so you're 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 telling the audience to either see the movie, not see the movie. Well, I you know, is day? there a pack mentality? And I think there is. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I I don't I don't think it's that film critics are out of touch. I think they're they're looking at movies in a different way. And what I try to be when I write a movie review, I try to be something of an audience friendly critic. I try to mm-hmm. see it from their point of view. Is is this movie whether or not I'm liking it? Uh, is it serving the audience that it's it's aimed at? And uh, like take Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry movies. Um, he is literally always underwater on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and and but you can't say he's a bad filmmaker because he makes movies that always connect with his audience. Did you see his latest? Did you see Jazzman's Blues? Um, which oh, was no, no, arguably his best film. Um, and that may be a low bar, but it wasn't a bad film at all. But all, but on Rotten Tomatoes, it's the only film that he's done that that is actually got a decent uh, critics rating. But I mean, he's he's consistently at fifteen and twenty percent. But you've, I think, Arsh and I, you, you and I had sat in an audience for an art, or a, a Perry film, and we were sitting there mystified by the audience, which was obviously his audience, yeah. and they were going nuts, absolutely right. going nuts. So I think that, that that night I learned a lesson is in that, yeah. you, as a film critic, you kind of have to be a, a have an, one eye on the filmmaker, but the other eye on the, on the audience that he's making the film for. When I'm watching a movie, I'm looking for a couple of hours of just entertainment. I'm not looking at it like I'm an NYU film professor grading mm-hmm. the film. You know, that that's my criteria. I'm mean, gonna have a good time. But you brought this up, Lou, and it got me to do a little research. And I noticed uh, last year, the movie with the highest audience rating and the lowest critics rating was Where the Crawdads Sing. Mm-hmm. People loved it and Great. critics hated it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one critic on this podcast, uh, Rocky Haddadi, whom I like a lot, said, oh, yeah, yeah, she lives in the swamp and, and she's never gone to school and she walks outside and she's got her makeup on and she looks like a supermodel. And 
everybody loves her and <laughs> her breath smells good. <laughs> you know, it's a fantasy, but audiences loved it. And that speaks to what you're talking about. I wonder if there might be some of it. I mean, that was a very popular book. And mm -hmm. it may be that the audience for that film was pre-selected. Like the people who loved mm -hmm. the book went to see it. Because I, I, I didn't think it was that great a movie. I, I, and uh, I, I think, you know what, you want to say the audience was wrong, but there was an audience that already loved that story. And so yeah. they went prepared to, to just buy into it. I, I generally don't read reviews, but I look at the numbers. And I saw that and I walked in expecting to hate it. And I liked it. And I'm looking, you know, there were other movies out. For example, Plane. I don't know if you saw Plane. Plane got, you know, audience gave it 95%. Critics gave it 74%. You know, there, and there are a bunch of movies like that. The Whale got 66% from critics, 91% from audiences. So, it, and oh, conversely, Corsage, I don't know if you saw Corsage. Yeah. That got 85% from the critics and 60% from the audience. Ooh. So, it, it, I don't know, it just, more often than not lately, it seems, maybe not just lately, it seems that there's a disconnect. And um, you guys can obviously speak to that better than I can. Well, I can say is I wish I wish Rotten Tomatoes was grading me in high school because sixty percent is still fresh on Rotten, on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> just barely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think there's a pack mentality. I uh, uh, watched a screening of the whale, which I hated. By the way, I hated it. I just hated it. I hated every minute of it. It's one of the few are. things I went down to see in person because I'd heard so much about it. And um, and I'm sitting back there kind of groaning. <laughs> and a couple of, couple of critics turn around and, shh, <laughs> quiet, <laughs> shushed me. Well, yeah, it's funny. My son, you know, we talked about the Fablemans. Uh, and how, how we like that movie. My son yeah. went to see it and said it was great. I got to see it again. Then he went to see The Whale and he said, oh, my God, that was even better than The Fablemans. Oh, my. I was, I was surprised to hear that. I mean, I, I liked The Whale. I thought Brendan Fraser was great, but I certainly was not a, a top 10 movie, in my opinion. It was a great performance, but I was surprised that he said that. And, you know, he's a 25-year, 28-year-old kid. Who, Arch, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what you... you because I felt I didn't like the movie, but I liked his performance. You didn't even like his performance in it. No, I, I felt it was uh, exploited mm -hmm. and a little mean. And uh, in the scene, as long as we're giving away things today, where he's stuffing himself with pizza. I just death, thought. Death by pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's death by uh, knife and fork. Uh, so. So there you are. I'm sorry. I just had a visceral reaction to the whale. Does that make me the opposite of uh, a pack thinker? No. <laughs> that makes you you thinking for yourself. And uh, and you know, I think I, I think you're right about that pack mentality. I think now that I live in Delaware and I see all my movies on my own without an mm -hmm. audience around me, which I really yes. miss. Yes. Um, you know, I'm sitting here watching screeners and stuff. I'm, you know, when I go to Toronto, it's 40 movies with an audience and it's, it's incredible, but I do find myself maybe going along with the pack a little more when I'm in those screenings than when I'm sitting at home, just kind of making my own assessments with, with no one around me. So there's, I, you, there's something to that probably, but an audience uh, is watching a movie, I, I would hope with other people. So there, there is a mention, mentality. 
The Critics' Choice Awards came out this weekend, and they gave Best Picture to Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Brendan Fraser received the Best Actor for The Whale. If you, like a guy like Charlie, who I played in this movie, in any way struggle with obesity, or you just feel like you're in a dark sea, I want you to know that if you too can have the strength to just get to your feet and go to the light, good things will happen. Kate Blanchett for Tar. I really like Tar a lot. Mm -hmm. And many friends of mine have walked out of Tar saying, what the hell was that? <laughs> That's another, I, I put that in the, in the whale category. It was, I, I think it was Tar. Kind of a, a pretty flawed movie with a great performance at the center of it. Uh, what do you think of those awardees? Everything, everywhere, all at once. We talked about everything, everywhere, all at once last yeah. week. And I said, it. I, I, I just came out and said I hated it. So I said, maybe I'm wrong. Let me try watching it again. Uh -huh. I got through about 10 minutes of it. And I said, no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. I didn't get it. And it made me tired. <laughs> totally I, agree. I didn't hate it, but... Uh, it I, I just feel like the multiverse thing has played itself out so completely. Mm. It's it's kind of late to the party for that sort of thing. It's like, okay, this is the apotheosis of multiverse movies, so um, I'm I'm over it, and I think it's a little late for it. What about Avatar? I mean, that that's that got did that win anything there, or that's that that's up as well? Well, let's see. I think further down. Maybe it got because that's another movie I don't get. I it's one of those films where you appreciate. Uh. You appreciate other people loving it, uh, but I just don't get it. In, in a way, Avatar is a lot like Francis the Talking Mule to me. <laughs> they were very I, I, popular I, movies, but you watch them and you wonder why. I saw it and I thought, okay, this is a decent movie, but it doesn't have to be three hours and 10 minutes. It could have been two hours easily. It's padded with so much stuff just to show the special effects. I, I thought it was overkill. Mm -hmm. And I imagine Avatar is one of the few movies on Rotten Tomatoes that is not underwater. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is underwater, yes. if you know what I mean. <laughs> Can I mention something to you two guys? I've uh, decided that uh, what's been missing in my life is I haven't been watching Yellowstone which is the most popular series in television now. You have no friends in this building, John. You're gonna have to bring your own. What you gonna do first? What do you think I'm gonna do? You're all fired. Beth, you're my new chief of staff. Season five got something like 16 million viewers, which wow. never happens anymore. Do you all have any thoughts on Yellowstone? I have not watched it. I'm with you, Arch. I would have some thoughts on it if I'd ever seen it. it? <laughs> that, that, that's uh, Kevin Costner, right? No. It's Kevin Costner. It Costner? Yeah, it's Kevin Costner. It's in Montana. He owns this giant ranch, and it uh, is next to Yellowstone Park. And by golly, the cowboys are roping and riding the, and they're getting the, they're branding the uh, cattle and they're branding each other and they're fighting and shooting and they're <laughs> killing people. And his uh, daughter is 
is uh, is out there breeding, <laughs> and all of his children are mad at him, and the developers are trying to take the ranch. He's got the cancer, but he's going to beat it anyway, and it just keeps going on and on like that. Is it set in the have, present day? When's it set in? But what? present day. Oh, present oh, yes. day. Okay. Present day. Yeah. So uh, uh, I have a, a good friend uh, out in Amarillo. He knows what he's talking about. John Tolk. This is a shout out to him. And he says, it's Dallas. It's Dallas for our time. Um, and of course, he's right. Uh, I just, uh, my the one thing that irritates me is uh, Paramount produces it. And season five is on Paramount Plus. But to get the first four seasons, which I'm trying to catch up on, you have to subscribe to Peacock. Oh, so I'm given five dollars of my NBC <laughs> retirement money back to back NBC to Peacock, <laughs> and it pisses me off. You should get an employee <laughs> discount. I mean, I still get AARP magazine for free. Why can't you get Peacock? I think if you have Xfinity cable, you get it for free. Um, we do. Uh, oh, you go to the Blues House. Be- yeah, come over. I'll do that. I think that's because Comcast owned NBC. Right. Exactly. When uh, your uh, very uh, amazing wife worked there. Well, she so, still does. So let's see. What have we talked about? Anybody see Megan? Anybody see that yes, AI I movie? I bet you did, Lou. What'd I you did. think? Um, I thought it was uh, it was good. It wasn't great, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, uh, you know, it, I think it's what you'd expect it to be. Um, that's, I, I, it is exactly what I expected it to be. There's, there's some comfort in that. So it's she's AI. She's Correct. like a little companion for a little girl. Right. Like, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the basically the trailer gave it all away. Don't you hate that? I do. Yeah. <laughs> no, there was no, there's nothing new. It's, it's no forever. No surprises. But, yeah, yeah. There were no surprises. Um, I, I, I have to ask you this. Have you yeah. seen, I'm sure you guys have seen the menu. Yeah. 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 I saw the menu. What What did you think of it? It's same as uh, as uh, Megan, you know, you know what you're going to get coming in uh, the menu. I keep thinking, oh, well, he's going to eat all of them, and, right. uh, barbecue them. But uh, no, it was something different than that. He's not just a chef. He's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Uh, I love uh, Anya Taylor Young. Uh, or uh, what's her name? Taylor Joy. <laughs> and you're, yes, it's a joy to watch Anya Taylor Joy. And uh, uh, I thought it was fine. Not great, but fine. Kind of fun. I went to a, uh, I, I paid nine bucks to see it. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was great. It's not going to win the uh, Oscar. But what about you, Bill? Well, yeah, it is nice to see films showing up in theaters that could just as easily go on on TV straight, you know, yeah, straight to Amazon. Yeah. I hope that's a trend that continues, and that that's one of those films. It, it's I, I saw it here. Um, by the end, by the end of the movie, I was not expecting any surprises, and it delivered on that promise. Well, I, the I guy's thought, a. I'm sorry, he's I, a chef, yeah. and he invites all these people who've been his good customers to this special dinner on an island. On an island, they can of only course. get there on a boat. Uh, and then there were none. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem, I think, I expected there to be some kind of a climax that was, you know, 
it's exactly what the what the preview kind of told us it would uh, be. Mm -hmm. And I expected something, some kind of hard hitting ending, which there really wasn't, or I didn't, that wasn't expected by me. But so many people I talked to really liked it. I, I was surprised. Uh, how about Triangle of Sadness? Anybody see that? No, based on your recommendation last time, Arch, I skipped it. <laughs> I haven't seen it because I, 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 I mean, I like Woody Harrelson, but it didn't even look like he was going to be any good in that movie. But it keeps showing up on lists of best of year. And you now some people are suggesting it's one of the best movies of the year. So maybe I have to see it. I don't know. I'm just going to say, speaking of movies, this, this, Netflix, um, this <laughs> Netflix documentary, the, the hatchet-wielding hitchhiker, have you seen this? No. no. It, it just came out last week. It, it's got 100% on Rotten Tomato. But I just was scrolling through. It popped up. And I said, boy, this looks weird. And I watched it. And it was, it was insane. It's about this, basically, this guy in his 20s who's picked up by a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker decides to mow down some people. This guy gets out of the, the truck he's in with this guy, pulls out a hatchet and starts hatchet, you know, chopping at the guy. And he's branded this hero. And it goes on from there. Everyone around the world wanted a piece of this kid. How do you know this guy? The internet, man. Is that really you? How did it make you feel, though, being this viral sensation? I'm not a virus. I'm a sensation. I'm Kai. This, oh. this guy, apparently everybody in the world wanted him. They wanted to do reality shows with him. All the late night talk shows wanted him. It, it's the wackiest thing you've ever seen. Wait, is this a documentary? It's a documentary, yes. Oh, okay. All and they right. use a I lot was... of news. You use a lot of news reports. Yeah. And, you know, this guy doesn't have a home and they can't find him. And he's so he's so whacked out. It's really crazy. A true oh. crime documentary? Yeah, it's true. True wow. story. You it's know, cool. uh, I think we all watched uh, The Monster of Wall Street, Bernie mm -hmm. Madoff on uh, Netflix. Yes. And uh, I'm beginning to judge every true crime documentary by the documentary on Elizabeth Holmes called uh, Out for Blood, The Inventor. Uh, and with the, you know, footage of the real Elizabeth Holmes, I just I thought that was extraordinary. Uh, the Bernie Madoff documentary was extraordinary to watch, but uh, I have a few questions about it. What do you guys think? Well, the, that the whole premise where you have actors, you know, reenacting eighty percent mm -hmm. of the stuff in the in in the show. I mean, it was it was weird to see someone being interviewed, and then they click to someone who's playing that person acting out what they're talking about. I guess it worked because I stayed with the whole thing for, for three or four episodes. How many episodes? Four it was. episodes. Um, but I did find it disjointing because sometimes I was, they, they'd show like a clip of, of his family when he was a mm. kid. And I'm saying, well, is that real or is this, is, are those really his parents or is this some, you know, another one of those fake home movies that they make for, for, for TV and stuff? So I found it distracting. I never quite could get myself totally out of the mode of wondering if, if I'm seeing something real or something reenacted, um, the guy who's played Madoff was kind of perfect. He's, See, I disagree. Of, yeah, I disagree. I thought I thought he didn't look like Madoff. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. I thought if you have that much money, it, it's a high <laughs> high budget item. It looked like that they could do a little better job of making him look a little more like Madoff. Yeah. That, well, that old, was, I mean, the best Madoff was when they did the the interrogation scenes when they actually use the video from right. Madoff's interrogations. Perfect. There's a beaten man. I mean, that, that was, those were compelling. I, I yeah. loved that part, which I'd never seen before. And I would have liked to see more of that and less of this guy parading around in a fake wig and, you know. <laughs>
Bernie Madoff was so private and secretive that there really wasn't a lot of footage of him until he got in prison. The one thing that shocked me is that it was a true Ponzi scheme. His investors gave him money, and he kept the money. He never yeah. put it into anything. He just kept the money and, and then would fake uh, trades and, and purchases and sales. And, and I had never really quite grasped that in all the coverage of him. So that was, that was it. But I, I don't like the a actors portraying uh, things that happen. Just uh, bug me. You know, I, um, at that, when that happened, I was working in business news. And mm -hmm. so we did a lot on that. And we spoke to a lot of people who were defrauded and whose lives were, you know, impacted severely. I would have liked to have seen more of those people. You know, one of the things that they talked about, but they didn't talk about it in, in depth, really, and they talked about it with these high rollers, was that if you took money out beyond what you put in, you had to give it back. Yeah. That impacted, yeah. that impacted you know, the, I think they call it clawback. But that, that impacted a lot of high rollers. But it also impacted these small investors. And those are the people that were really, I would have liked to have heard from more of those type of people. And I met some along the way back in, you know, back when that happened. That's true. They were asking us to commiserate with these people who lived in Palm Beach mansions. Yeah. Saying, oh, I had, yeah. To, I had to sell the mansion. But you know, right. they had another pretty nice place to go to. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I get that. <laughs> and they didn't, you know, the New York Mets were severely, people can identify with that. They're, they put all their money in Madoff. Did they and really? Major League Baseball had to bail them out. They didn't really talk about things like that. Sandy Koufax lost a ton of money. Kevin Bacon lost a ton of money. Cinema Lou, as our, uh, the head of our civilian bureau, how many movies are you seeing in an average week or a month? Well, I, uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, at least three a week, because I usually fulfill my, my Stubbs uh, A-list. <laughs> uh, in fact, I'm going to see a terrible movie today. Uh, because we're taking somebody who wants to see it, um, uh -huh. a house party, which I think got 25% from the uh, <laughs> critics and 64% from from uh, the, the people. But I don't know if you guys saw it. I'm mm -hmm. sure it's terrible. It'll give me an opportunity to catch a nap. But um, <laughs> it, uh, I, I did see, I saw women talking yesterday um, and I saw Megan on Friday. So that's three so far this week. I'm a little behind schedule, I must say. So uh, as a man who sees that many movies, how do you rate this year? Because, and I'm going to reveal myself, I think it's a lousy year for movies. That's interesting you say that because when people ask me, what's the best movies of the year? Mm -hmm. I have to really think about it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, The Fablemans comes to mind and Top mm -hmm. Gun. And after that, I really have to think. There were some decent movies, but I, I, I agree with you. And I'm I, I basically... I base it on what I see at the theater. And, um, you know, there, there are some entertaining movies, but great movies. I would agree with you. It's not a great year. I'm thinking back to see if I gave any movie a top rating this year in my reviews. And I don't think I did, which is unusual. Usually at least one film. Oh, yeah. no, no. I, I gave five stars to The Fablemans. I love The Fablemans mm -hmm. so much. and that, But that's a class, that's a case of, you know, personal affinity to a film. I just, I just identified with every frame of that movie because as you know i'm as successful a filmmaker as steven spielberg is it's just my story <laughs> reflected on screen so i saw i saw a story the other day that the movie's considered a flop people just didn't go to see it yeah i know i know i'm surprised i'm 
the, the movie that uh, comes to my mind that I think I enjoyed more than anything else was Weird, the Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> story. I started Honestly, watching that yesterday. With Daniel Radcliffe, and it's on... Uh, Hulu. What's that thing? No, uh, Roku. Uh, the, the, Roku. 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 <laughs> and, you know, I could get behind that. So I got to so, tell you, I'm watching that movie, and there's that whole scene with Madonna. Uh-huh. I, I ran to the internet to find out, did they really date? You know, Arch and I seldom end up on the opposite ends of the spectrum on a uh-huh. film, but that is the one. I... Uh- I because because I was really looking forward to it. I was I was in Toronto and I couldn't get into the screening because all the all the owl heads took all the seats. I finally saw it and the first ten minutes of it were confirming everything I was hoping about that movie. Because remember it opens oh, up like a yeah, like an after yeah. school special. Exactly, yes. And and they're just hitting all the beats of you'll never be anything, son, but I want to play accordion. <laughs> and I thought, this is gonna be perfect. And then the joke just stopped being funny for me 15 minutes into the movie. So I, I, I was really bitterly disappointed by, by weird. But Bill, you know, the, the thing about that, I was watching it with my wife and we're watching the opening scenes and there's that scene when the accordion salesman comes in and, you know, it gets, it gets kind of, <laughs> but my, my wife is watching this and she said, this is supposed to be funny. <laughs> That's that the was, part that was funny. That was, it, you know, she's turning her head. It's, it's uh, the guy's getting pummeled. I, <laughs> well, well, speaking of supposed to be funny and weird, let's take a break now to listen to Lou Katz in the Katz podcast worldwide headquarters about our dear enabler, Hound Radio. Well, I'm not funny and I'm probably weird, but if you happen to be a, <laughs> if you happen to be a fan of dogs, which we hope you are if you listen to Hound Radio, you'll appreciate this. Hound Radio's leash-leading canine expert, Faith Lapidus, is back with another look into the wonderful world of dogs. Let's start off the new year by looking back at 2022 and the things we learned about our best friends. Researchers looking at the canine genome found a genetic variant that seems to be related to the incredible range of sizes of different dog breeds. The variant traces back to ancient wolves. And speaking of wolves, other studies found that breeds less closely related to wolves have genetic changes that seem to lower their stress levels around humans, which was an important factor for domestication. Last year, we learned that dogs really do tear up when they're happily reunited with their people, stimulated by the love hormone oxytocin. Dogs can recognize words as opposed to just gibberish, and they can smell when we're stressed. Who knows what other abilities we'll discover about dogs in 2023. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. Okay, so we're desperately running short of time. I want to mention two quick things. First, Gina Lola Brigida passed away today, 95 years old. And uh, she reminds me of the uh, days when we all flocked to foreign films or at least heard about people going to foreign films. And she was probably the first Italian bombshell leading the way for Sophia Loren and Claudia Cardinale. And uh, thoughts on Gina Lola Brigida. When I worked at the National Enquirer, the, um, the editors, the owners, she, she was his dream actress. Mm. But the funny thing was, he called her Gina Lola Brigida. 
<laughs> and we and he was not a guy that you laughed at in to no. his face, but but he, he said to me as says, we need to get in a story about Gina Lola Brigada. And <laughs> we had to excuse ourselves. Yeah, we got something on her boss, you know, because she was is that at, at the time she was Pecker? on Falcon. She was on Falcon Crest at the time. So that was, was that Mr. Pecker? No, no, that was that was oh. Gene Pope. Generoso oh, Pope, I the founder and, and editor in chief of the uh, National Enquirer. Um, so we, I, I spent a lot of time in the 1980s tracking down stories on Gina Lola Brigada, and she was uh, <laughs> at the tail end of her career. But she was still, she was, you know, she never, and it, it, she had her heyday, and then she decided she would uh, back off, I guess, after a while. So good oh, for her. You know, with just real quick, you're talking about foreign films. This movie RRR is getting all mm -hmm. this. Everybody's yes. list and the, the song has beaten out, you know, Rihanna and, and all uh -huh. these other big stars, Lady Gaga. Have you seen this? I tried to watch it. I got about through R. <laughs> <laughs> what are you I, I don't even know what it's about. Oh. It's, How it's about some, you? It's about some war war in India, right? India-Pakistan yeah. conflict. Uh -huh. I, I, I just see it on everybody's list, but it doesn't seem appealing to me. I couldn't get into it. I could oh. not get into it. My wife walked into the room and said, what the hell is this? <laughs> so, well, quick, I'll a quick word about Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> What a shock and what a terrible thing and uh, and does this mean that austin butler will win best actor for elvis since hmm. we're in that elvis mode i still think he deserves it actually i mean I as much too. as i liked brendan fraser in, in the whale and there's a there's a train leaving the station with him you know he was driving he was it great but if you notice any interview he does now He's, yeah. he's taken on the Elvis persona. He no longer has his original well, voice. He's now Elvis. We call that Elizabeth Holmes syndrome. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is a special edition. And it's a special day when we can have Cinema Lou Charlotte and uh, Bill Newcott of the Saturday Evening Post. Uh, let's recommend Elvis for the weekend. If you Good must. choice. I think it's on good HBO. Choice. Have a good week, and we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you, Lou Katz. Always my pleasure, Arch. Love working with you. This is the Katz Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs>